Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for the many that gathered together this evening. We pray that thy holiness would be a framework for our daily lives. Lord, may every thought, every word be reflective of the glory of God. We pray, Lord, for truth. We pray for exhortation. We pray for brokenness. We pray for joy, the joy that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's Word is open in Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, Luke chapter 18. I'd like to begin at verse 9. The speaking of Christ, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted." I found it rather intriguing as I was looking at some of the photographs right outside of the cafeteria and listening to some of the comments as you were scanning and perusing the pictures that had been taken some 30 years ago, as far as I can tell. Some of the comments were, my, how this person or that person has changed. And certainly as we compare ourselves, those who are in those photos, to today's time, we can certainly see that there have been many, many changes And as we gathered this afternoon, we gathered for another uh, group photo. I had to think how much has changed as I looked around. But you know what was interesting was that there were not much has changed in the sense that human nature is what it is. Because as back then, so today, some were uh, turning a little bit this way or that way as the photographer was taking the photos, because you want to have your good side exposed. You know, there may be certain flaws that you have that you don't want to be seen for the rest of your life. Those who would one day look at those photos, maybe 30 years down the road. And so you made sure that, you know, one side, your good side, was exposed. If you've ever been to a theme park and you you pass by an artist who is drawing a caricature, you know, someone who um, makes an exaggeration of people, essentially, is what that is. 
And a group of us, I remember uh, many years ago, as we were walking by, and then we'd look, look at someone, you know, they, their, their back would be turned, and so they wouldn't see what was being drawn. And, and uh, we'd say, ah, look, look at this guy, you know. And, and, and what would happen is that although the, the portrait captured the essence of who they were, there were certain features that were very, very exaggerated. You see, if their nose was a little bit bigger, he would really make it pronounced. If your ears stuck out a little bit, you made them way out here. And, and one of my relatives, I, I had said, you know, it'd be very interesting, it'd be kind of neat, you know, to have you sit down there and just have yourself be drawn. And she said, no, 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 why don't you do that? I said, no, you, know, you go ahead, really, it'd, it'd be kind of neat, it'd be fun. And, and she said, well, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I'm afraid of what I'd look like. And I certainly wasn't going to admit that that's the reason I wasn't going to sit down either. But you see, there are some things that maybe others see, we don't like to show them. There are certain features, maybe physically, we don't like to expose. But in a greater sense, and of greater measure, how much more do we attempt to hide features, things within our lives in a spiritual sense, that we don't like to show others, and above all, we don't like to show God. Because we're afraid of what we might look like. You see, as Jesus was speaking, the Bible says that he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. And so we have to understand to whom this is written. You see, Jesus, when he spoke, he pulled no punches, and he spoke directly to those who were listening. Because he understood human nature. He understood what people were. And that there were some there who trusted in themselves. What did they trust in themselves of? Well, number one, that they were righteous. And certainly righteousness is something that we must seek after. The Bible tells us that. It is a good thing to seek after God's righteousness. But you see, that wasn't the kind of righteousness that people were seeking. It was essentially a self-righteousness, and not only were they being self-righteous, but the Scripture says Jesus was pointing out that they themselves were also despising others. They were looking down upon other people. And so Jesus puts together this marvelous parable. And to fully understand and comprehend the essence of the meaning, we have to go back in time. Because if I were to ask you, with whom? In this parable, could you relate to? Each one of us would say, I relate to the publican. Why? Well, because he was the humble guy. He was the one that asked for mercy. He was the one that stood off by himself and didn't even look up to heaven. And certainly, none of us could relate to the Pharisee, or could we? And so what we're going to do is to go back in time. And we need to take a look backwards and place ourselves around Jesus' feet as he is speaking about this parable. Because you see, the Pharisees of the day were those that the people looked up to. We know them, and we can look into Scripture as to their 
their filthiness. We can see their haughtiness, their evil, their wickedness. But that's not what the people saw. What did they see at the time? When Jesus says, two men went up into the temple to pray right away, people would say, ah, got it right there. One of them must have been a Pharisee. Or maybe a priest. Because those were the ones that would go to the temple to pray. It was an everyday occurrence. You see, the Pharisees were the ones who were the leaders of the day. They were the ones that you would look up to. And mamas would point to the Pharisee, to their little boys, and say, you see there, Sonny? You ought to be like that guy right there. He's got it all together. Man of God that he is. Why, you know, the first thing that he does, if anybody needs help financially, whips out his wallet and gives. It's a marvelous philanthropist. Not only that, they were the ones that knew the Scriptures. You see, they studied the Torah. They studied God's Word, the books of Moses. And they had their Talmud and the Mishnah. And they had their commentaries on the oral and the written law. And what was interesting is that those commentaries were literally volumes. And so rather than carry around volumes, they memorized them and spent long hours understanding and teaching the Scriptures. And so if you had any questions, he'd be the one that you would go to. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee. And right then they would stop and they said, well, this is going to be a wonderful story. Obviously, somebody we look up to. Somebody that we like. Because you see, these Pharisees did all the right things. They prayed the right way. They spoke the right language. They attended their religious worship services the way they ought to. And then he says, and the other one, a publican. And right then you might have a gasp in the crowd. Some say, how dare you speak about a publican going to the temple? How is that? Well, you see, the publicans were the lowest of the low. They were the ones that were the tax collectors. I'll use the term interchangeably. You see, the Romans had a taxation system. And so from their very own Jewish people, some were chosen to be able to buy contracts to tax certain areas. And they were then required to pay back the taxes. And so what they did to make a profit, you see, they increased the amount of taxes that really were required. Oh, we're sorry today, Mrs. Smith, but, you know, because of the economy... Your taxes went up this year. 
30%. And so once they gave back to the Roman government, they pocketed the difference. And people knew that. And so they were highly despised. They were the lowest of the low. And so what we have today in, in this particular portion of Scripture is a contrast of someone who is very, very good and someone who is very, very bad. They went up into the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. What the Bible is saying here, what Jesus is saying is, he essentially was giving himself a lot of praise. You see, the Pharisees of the day then, they, had to, they, they didn't want to go into contact with other people because then they might become unclean. And so they would get as close to the Holy of Holies as they could, as closest to the place where the, the priest was offering the sacrifices and offering the incense and particularly place themselves in a very conspicuous place so that all around them, people could come by and watch them. They typically went up to the temple to pray twice a day, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. That was the time of the sacrifices. And so they made sure that as people were coming by, they were there. Oh, and, you know, Mondays and Thursdays were especially important. Oh, and they made certain they were there on those days. Why? Because those were the market days. The number of people would be increased. And so they could be sure to be seen that they were, in fact, doing all of the right things. The problem is, the basic problem is that one was deemed righteous by God and the other was not. You see, we cannot separate worship and the worshiper. Our hearts must be right. And that is the basic foundation of what Jesus is saying here. We can do all of the right things. We can say all of the right words. We can act all the right ways we can act. And somebody can look at us and say, I'd like to be like this one. I'd like to be like her. They've got it all together. You see, he was the one the Pharisee, if it were today, that would have all the tabs in his Bible and underlined and highlighted. Some of you look down and you see the same thing. That doesn't mean that you're like that. But that's the kind of people that they were. Fastidious in every aspect of religion. And so he prays and he gives himself a little soliloquy and says, Oh, God, I thank thee. And right there we can stop and say, well, what's wrong with that prayer? Because obviously we need to give God thanks. But if you go on, listen to what he says. I thank thee that I am not as other men are. How? 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican? You see what he's doing? He's patting himself on the back. He went to this temple to feel good. It was for his own self-esteem. Now, there's nothing wrong with self-esteem today, except for the fact that we have a generation who've been told, you know, you're, you're a wonderful little person. And, you know, you can do anything you want to do, anything this world offers you can achieve. And the person, you know, they, they say, they, they believe that. Well, it's got to be true. I must be so wonderful. Mom has told me so all my life. But the problem is, our self-esteem is way up there, but morality is way down there. And so what is the problem of being self-righteous? Well, number one, it's deceptive. It's self-deception. You're like, well, wait a minute. How in the world? Is that deception? Was this man deceived? He was because he thought he was doing all the right things that would bring him that much closer to God. And if there's anything that we have in religion today, it's one of two things. Number one, you get there by works and the things that you do and how good you are. Or number two, it is by the grace of Almighty God. It is those two things. And many today are deceived. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise for the foolishness of this world. For, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. It is self-deceptive. And we deceived ourselves in thinking that if we do all the right things and we attend church three times a day or four times, or rather four times a, a, a week perhaps, and we attend the choirs and we do all of these things and we mark up our Bibles and we, we come to class, that that's all that we have to do, that it's all that is required of us. And that since we began our spiritual walk with the Lord, that's as far as it has gotten. And all it is is externals. You see, the problem with self-deception is that you don't realize that you're deceived. Oh, self-righteousness also adds to selfishness. How so? How many times did he say, I... I thank thee. I am not. I fast. I give tithes of all that I possess. It was all about himself. Selfishness. You know, we buy into those things today. You know, this world tells us, be all that you can be. God owes you something. Have your best life right now. But you know, I have to say that God was not created for us. 
We were created for Him. He did not come into existence just so that we can have whatever it is that we want. But it's to worship and to praise our God. And we come so focused on ourselves that we forget about others all around us? That we no longer hear God's voice speaking to us? You know, the other problem he said is is scorn. You know, he looked down upon this publican. Now, people passing by would wonder what in the world the publican's doing there in the first place anyhow. How dare he show up in this place of worship? Doesn't belong there. But you see what happened? I thank thee that I am not even as this publican. And we can go into the previous chapter, chapter 16 of Luke, verse 14. Listen to what the scripture says. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things as Christ is teaching. And they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Do we put ourselves above other people? A me first generation. It's easy to compare ourselves with one another, isn't it? You see, it's easy to stand as the Pharisee did and say, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as that gal. And because I'm not quite as bad as they are, I must be, in fact, pretty good. Now listen, we can always find someone who is worse than we are. The fact is, we can always find someone who's better than we are too, but we don't go looking for those kind of people. But Paul had this to say. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Why? He says, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. God has a measuring stick. Oftentimes, we make ourselves the standard. You know, it's kind of like driving. You know, anybody that, that drives slower than you is a fool. And anybody who drives faster than you is a maniac. You know, you're kind of like the standard. But you see, God has a measuring stick. And his measuring stick says this, Except ye exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall no wise enter into God's kingdom. You know, I, I, I had a 
letter I had come across that was very interesting, and I read this in our home church because I, I believe it really hit a point, and I, I'd like to reread that letter because it, it crosses any um, denominational boundaries. I believe that we might even see ourselves. It was a letter written by a young lady to a friend of hers who invited her to church. And she says this, Dear Kathy, I attended your church yesterday. Although you had invited me, you were not there, and so I sat alone. After sitting down, a lady came up to me and informed me I was in her seat. Well, I was so embarrassed because I I didn't know seats were reserved. So I climbed over some people. I found another place to sit. And during the singing, I was surprised to note that some of the church people were not singing, but they were staring off into space. The pastor's message was interesting, though some didn't think to seem to think so. They looked bored, or they were restless, or some were sleeping. I know some of my, some of my classmates a few pews ahead of me. They were passing notes and giggling and not paying attention, and I thought, how rude. The pastor spoke about the reality of faith, which I knew I didn't have enough of, but I really didn't know what to do about it. I saw some people walking out before the service was over, and so I figured it must not be too important to stay until the end, so I slipped out too. I said good morning to one couple who didn't respond, but maybe they were in a hurry or they didn't hear me. You see, my parents don't go to church, and I came alone hoping to find a place to truly worship and to find love. And I'm sorry, but I didn't find it in your church. How do people look at us? We might do all the right things, say all the right things. At least we think so. But I wonder what would have happened if this religious man, this Pharisee, opened up his heart as he ought to have and went up to this publican and said, Hey, you know, haven't seen you around here before. What brings you here today? Oh, me? Well, yeah, I've got some problems. Man, I'm a sinner big time. I just came because I need God's grace. I need God's mercy. Yeah? You know, that's why I'm here too. Really? You? You look like you have it all together. Uh Uh-uh. You see, self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is sin. The Bible says that all our filthiness is as filthy rags. This publican, however, he stands afar off. He doesn't lift up so much as his eyes, and he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He smote upon his breast. The word is stethos. It's where we get stethoscope, to look inside the chest. Loved ones, that's why we're here. 
We want to look inside, deep inside. We want to rend our hearts, not our garments. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The word merciful is to propitiate me. What does that mean? To make me guiltless. That the wrath of God is no longer focused upon me, but I am reconciled to Him. This publican most likely never read his Scripture cover to cover. Probably didn't have anything underlined. Didn't have things memorized, but he knew his theology. And it wasn't in a load of works. But it was by the grace of God. And the definite article here where it says a sinner. If you look in the Greek, it means the one, the sinner. Out of all of these people, he singles himself out. And I wonder if there are things in our lives that we don't want anyone else to see and above all we want God to look away from. If we dare come to Him with boldness and plead for mercy and says, God, there are some things deep inside that I don't want anybody to see, especially you. What's the remedy? The remedy is that this Pharisee would have to take on the humility of the tax collector and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, it isn't any of our righteousness, our works, anything that we can do that will get us to our destination. The key is the blood of the Lamb. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that is the propitiation for our sins that draws us to the Lord.